Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 13. I've got the regular crew here again, Azeel and Griff. And, well, again, there's still no episode to talk about, so we're still coming up with different Berserk-themed topics. But, you know, I'm kind of, like, Berserked out. And I know that's, like, sacrilegious to say, but, like, I'm involved with work and involved with, like, freaking Diablo 3 all week. Like, I had to, like, think, like, man, what are we going to talk about this week? Like... Berserk's not not a part of my daily life anymore, as it has been for the past, you know, 10 years or so. The forums aren't, like, super active right now. And, it, and that happens when there's no episode. There's nothing like, it's not a big deal or anything, but it's just a, a strange point, you know, this, in this year where I'm like, man, I have not been thinking about Berserk every day. Well, I usually do. I don't know how that's been with you guys. Has it been similar or not? Well, um, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's been less, af- less active, yeah, definitely, so... I wouldn't say it's not part of my daily life because I still, you know, check the forum rather intensively. But, yeah, it's definitely not as big as it used to be at some points. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. It was, it's funny timing. Like, if you start up the podcast and then, like, you know, there's a berserk hiatus that seems never-ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I said in the thread, we've, we've had, since we started this, which was in February, early February, we've had one episode of Berserk since that. Because the first podcast was about, you know, another episode, I think. So anyway, the topic for this week is the Lost Children chapter, which is, uh, I don't know, actually, I was thinking about this. I'm not sure what the pulse of the community is on this section of the series anymore, but it used to be a very, very popular part of the series. Uh, When we first started the forum, it was was probably my favorite section of the series and uh, a couple other people's as well. Yeah. And... My opinion of it actually has changed because I went back to it and I read it, uh, I guess it was like a month ago, maybe two weeks ago, in preparation to talk about it, you know, kind of getting excited about it. And I realized, like, it wasn't hitting me the same way. And I'm going to get into why, but I think it has to do with the fact that uh, the scope of the series changed from when I first read Berserk to where it is now. Uh, Before, it was kind of a neat, self-contained episode or episode, a section uh, of Berserk, it kind of like stood alone. The, the contents of it didn't necessarily affect the overall arc of the storyline in Berserk. And that aspect of it is neat to me, what was neat to me at the time. But now, given the larger scope of the series, it's just like, man, come on, get on with it. Get on with the main story at this point. But um, that's just me being impatient, I guess, for the series. How do you guys feel about Lost Children now in the scope of the rest of the series? <laughs> It's a yeah. It's a very I would say personal uh, part of the series in that it uh, focuses on guts and mm-hmm. puck and you know they are little adventures. But uh, yeah, I, I still like it as much as I did back then, uh, which is I, I think it shows a lot about guts. You know the the black swordsman part of uh, him, which is uh, we introduced to in the original arc. Uh, we we never really get back to it except during this chapter. So because after that, you know, it quickly mm-hmm. he's running to go get Casca, and there are many things. And so I think that part is very important in the series. And uh, while it's true, it, it doesn't really show much of the world. I think what it shows of Gus of his personality, his interaction with Jill, Puck, and many things. I think a lot of it is formative for his you know personality. So yeah, I still like it as much as, as I always did. Yeah, I was going to say, it's funny to be impatient about something in hindsight. <laughs> like, I've never heard that before, that you were, like, you know, wanting to rush him, like, after it's already been done. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I uh, I sort of see it the same way, and I still uh, I, I still like it as much as I, 
you know, ever did. And yeah, it was like a lot of people's sort of favorite uh, little part mm-hmm. of the series. And I agree that it's uh, it's sort of important for rebooting like the whole Black Swordsman thing, but also like incorporating, you know, everything we found out about Guts in the flashback and how much he's really changed as a character from that first uh you know, from the first three volumes, that, yeah. you know, he kind of had to, you know, rectify that, you know, and bring it back, you know, synthesize those two uh, images. And, yeah, I think it's good for that, you know, and it's also one of the more, like, by the end, it's one of the darker, like, uh, parts of the series for Guts. I mean, they yeah. obviously sort of play on that, you know, in that part, you know, when they're rectifying, you know, his personality when he was in the Hawks versus being the Black Swordsman. And making him more sympathetic, but also more monstrous at the same time. It's kind of interesting. Before he was sort of cold and, you know, like a jerk until, you know, the end. And then, uh, and now, like, yeah, it's like, you know, they were really playing on, you know, obviously the whole theme of, like, well, who's really the monster mm-hmm. in the situation? And yeah. so, yeah, I still, uh, I, I think it's important. I still really like it. It, it shows you how far, uh, it's actually, it's the furthest Guts gets in, in terms of the Black Swordsman and how, how dark he gets in that role of, dark, of the Black Swordsman right before he kind of comes around in Volume 17, changes his direction. Well, and the, I wanted to explain a little bit about why I mean by impatient is when you're approaching the series, like when I first started the series, it was at Volume 18, and you, you weren't exactly sure. I mean, if you're an idiot, you weren't exactly sure how, where the series was going to go. And so it was okay to have kind of a standalone episode that didn't necessarily send ripples out from the rest of the series. But when you see the rest of the when you see where the series is now and where Miura was going the entire time, it seems kind of like wasteful to have a three volume individual like character study basically before he gets into that. And I also well, and I go and I also think it's interesting in the in the the timing of this chapter in the scope of the series. It comes directly after the eclipse, directly after the end of the golden age. And you have to wonder if he planned this part as kind of like a buffer between where he was and where he wanted to go with the series. And I wonder how he placed it, if he placed it that there intentionally. Well, it's pretty, it's pretty clear why it's there. I mean, the first episode, you know, right when the chapter starts, it's called The Black Swordsman Returns, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it's pretty clear what, what it does and what it was supposed to be. And you know, I'm going to break your heart, but a lot of people have, you know, given the same comments that it's wasteful and needed and it should go on with the main story. These people are usually the ones who think the series reaches its height with the Golden Age arc. So, I don't know. I think you, yeah, I'm sorry to tell you, man, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no uh, I would just uh, sort of in its defense say that, yeah, I think it is, I think it's actually like, the foundation for a lot of the things that comes after like you said it's like this you know character study of guts and yeah it really is sort of establishing a lot of the conflict that he's still having i mm-hmm. mean with the beast and everything else yeah yeah and so i i do think it's important like they could have you know i mean i see what you mean where it's like you know he could have jumped right into sort of uh you know guts going after casca although that would have mm-hmm. been awkward without yeah. like showing a space of like them being separated again, you know, sort of like, Oh, he left and, you know, go read volumes one through three and now he's back, you know, and he's looking for, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I do sort of see, like, I do still see it as important. I disagree that it doesn't like send ripples out. Like it, I think it's easy to take it for granted and think of it that way, but I think if it were missing, it would be like, it would be awkward. And as far as why he put it there and sort of like what went into it, 
I wonder, well, I mean, I think he wanted to have, like, another Black Swordsman story. And I wonder, like, when he came up with it. Like, if it was, like, another Black Swordsman idea he had, like, yeah. at the beginning. Or if it was something that, uh, that you know, he just came up with, you know, when he got there. That, that's, that's what I, I, I keep hitting on this, but uh, it's place in the series in terms of where the series went ultimately. I, I was wondering, after the Golden Age, if maybe, even when he was developing the original Black Swordsman arcs, if he had... A, a, a series of like you know encounters guts would have with these individual villages you know it's kind of it's kind of like what happens in volumes you know one through three with the count guts goes into a village hunts an apostle kills the apostle yeah. similar to when he encounters Roshin and lost children i wonder if he had additional things planned and if this was kind of like you know kind of like a best of and he shows this this is the one i will to put in there before i move on to the rest of the series and uh, I, I wonder how many of those he had really planned to do before he decided okay Let's go on with you know volume seventeen and on with the continuing story. I, I don't think it's a, a best of so much as it is meant to represent some kind of a routine, you know, the daily routine of the Black Souls man. When you see uh, all the artwork is done, like you know for the art book and such, you often see guys passing through villages, you know, in fields and such. And I think it's meant to be uh, some kind of perfect representation of what it was like to be the Black Souls man for him during these years, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, following a feeling in his brand, going, killing an apostle, moving on, with only Puck at, as uh, his, you know, sole company. So yeah, I, I think it's not, not really the best of, but yeah, it's supposed to symbolize what these years were for him. Right. And I have to agree with Griffiths with what he said earlier. In that saying, the the chapter doesn't send out repairs or such. I think it's uh, I think it's erroneous. I mean, yeah, it introduces a lot of very important things, and even when it comes to Gus's relationship with his, you know, child and such, it it's small touches here and there. But I think it uh, it adds a lot of depth to the character. So, yeah, I, I, to me, it's very it's a very important chapter. I mean, I, I don't think it could be removed uh, without you know. L- not lowering the the quality of the story. I'm not suggesting it be removed or that it was a complete waste of time, but I'm saying in in the scope of the rest of the series, it se- it seems kind of like a, a pebble along the path, basically. Well, you know, so is uh, you know stop on the solitary island and the fight with the uh, sea god. You know, there are a lot of things which could be said to be like that. So, yeah. I have to. I have to disagree with that. I have to. A lot, strong... of, a lot of people do say that. Yeah, <laughs> like every, I mean, I, with I, everything that comes I, up, I, I have to strongly disagree. I guess in that regard, seriously. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I I think it does like what As said. You know, it efficiently sort of establishes that black swordsman routine that he's going through, and you know, it gives you an i it gives you an idea beyond what we see in that part. Like, yeah, this is his life now. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially, you know, obviously you'd be familiar with volume, you know, volumes one through three at that point. And, you know, it just sort of reaffirms, you know, that. And I think yeah. that's important, you know, because if you don't reestablish that, then you can't sort of show the departure from that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's as like, you know, same thing as acid. I don't think you can take it out any more than you can really take anything else out. I don't think it's like special in that regard. And also, you know, I just, I just think it's neat still. Like, it's it's still a neat, Damn little, it, like people. you said, it's a neat little hey. story. Oh, <laughs> my opinion went from 
I criticize it in the scope of the rest of the series to Walter hates the lost children. It's not the case. I like <laughs> no. the lost children a no, no, lot. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean, I didn't say me that yeah. I was just saying, you know, at the end of the day, I was so, you know, I just think it's neat too. You know, it's like it, it not only it does have important things, but I think it also has like sort of a unique whimsical quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Like a lot of, like a lot of other things, like some things are like clearly like taking care of business, you know, like for the scope of the story, mm-hmm. like we got to do this. Whereas this one, you know, it, it takes its time. It's, you know, it tells yeah. a neat little story in and of itself with, you know, like it feels like it's like got its own little three act, you know, story going on, which is still like really cool. I think uh, Roshan is still like one of the most unique apostles. Absolutely. And yeah, I did want to talk about her character design. One other plus, thing. I'm... Plus she's setting up Griffith's redemption, you know, at the end. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> Another thing I wanted to harp on structurally before we get into the specifics of the arc or the chapter is, you know, I, I appreciated how more more so than other sections of the series, I, there's, a, there's a couple other glimpses of this, but you get a sense of guts as a kind of an external force in this because there there are, there are episodes where it's just Jill or their perspective is just Jill, and then guts kind of comes out. There's two or three moments like that that are very you know critical for you to see guts as kind of an not not an antagonist but kind of like. You see him for what he is, as opposed to being completely subjective uh, from Guts' perspective. You're seeing what Guts is like from an outsider's perspective, you know, through Jill's yeah, eyes. Yeah, we see that with the the Hicks too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I thought that was really at, cool. He's like a wanted man. I, I, <laughs> I think that whole arc in itself uh, often shows that stuff. Even when he's in Albion, you know, you see there are whole episodes where it's just the prostitutes or the people versus the church and such. And Gus comes in and he just, you know, disrupts everything. Right. So, yeah, it establishes that side of him, I guess. I think that's like the best description of him in those things. He's a disruptive force because, yeah, he like <laughs> yeah. he shows he shows up and it's like he's, you know, not only does he cause his own trouble, but, you know, I remember there's the scene after he stands up to, you know, the Holy Knights, you know, where someone throws the rock. Yeah. And, you know, he just looks into the crowd, you know, because, you know, gut stood up to stood and, up and to he, them and now suddenly he's inspired people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see their stares, you know, all the, their eyes yeah. are looking at the guy. <laughs> the guy, yeah. he's scared, so yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah, because you realize he's surrounded by these frightening, disheveled masses that would eat and, him you know, alive if they wanted to. I was thinking about what you said earlier about the scope of the series, Walter, but, you know, in order to for the series to have its scope being expanded like that and for it to seem very, you know, awesome and such... I think it's also important to have some smaller moments. You know what I mean? When you have the smaller moments, then when the scope is expanded, it looks very epic and such. If it's just, you know, gigantic battles and all that or very important story points, you know, they, they aren't as meaningful or significant because they're, you know, you you didn't have those other moments where it's more like a small adventure and such. Okay, well, think, put it... Okay. Put it in this perspective. If for, say you're new to the series. Say you're reading the series as it comes out. You read through volumes one through three. You go through the, the golden age. You finally get to the end of the eclipse where you, you have a bookend to where you thought Guts started in volumes one through three. You, you've, you've completed that time loop. You're there now. You're caught up. The next section is going to be new material for where the series will go in the future. That's like the, the future of Berserk. Think about it from that. And the next thing is another episode of Guts as a Black Swordsman. 
being a disruptive force in a town chasing an apostle. I mean, there's no well, sense of, of, of you know, changing I re- the pattern. You know? I remember what it was when I first read the series, you know, mm-hmm. after seeing the anime, and I thought it was you know, fucking awesome. So I, I liked it a lot, too. Yeah, what I'm going to say is you're not looking at it from the perspective of somebody new to the series. You're looking at it from your perspective, which is someone who's followed the series for a very long time and who's now waiting for what's happening in Falconia. So I think it's a... Yeah, I mean, you might have a more subjective take on it than you think. Okay. Anyway, um, I really appreciated the design of Roshin. You can tell he spent a lot of time on it. It's a little more detailed and nuanced than some of the other Apostle designs. It actually has like three different forms. Yeah, actually, yeah. I would say it's more details than almost every other Apostle we've seen. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one. There's more. I don't think there is one, but maybe Zod? So, I don't know. But Why? Well, he doesn't really count. I mean, yeah. he's just human form and you know, monster form, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah she, she has many, many takes, and it's it's pretty subtle, I think. So, yeah, she actually, you know, for those that may not have noticed, obviously she has her main apostle form, which is the uh, Lunamoth looking thing. <clears throat> well, actually, it's a it's a variety of different things. That's the one I attributed to, but uh, then yeah. she has the one where she's a little more apostle, but she can also receive some of her more apostle characteristics to look more human, which is, of course, what she uses around Jill to kind of entice her to becoming one with her. You know what's interesting about her, though, and by the same token that she's got, like, you know, sort of gradient forms, like it'll, Mm -hmm. you know, like she can, like, just her face can sort of turn twisted and look scary at certain times. Which is different yeah. from uh, most other apostles, but also she never ever looks like totally human either. She she always you know looks mm-hmm. like you know uh, a big pixie. Like it's like sure. she never she doesn't really and she always and she has little like insect qualities even on her body. Then I believe, yeah or yeah, and it's so it's like so she can't she can't blend in either, which sure, is interesting sure. for her. Well, she's also like naked form. the entire time. So yeah. <laughs> Well, but, what yeah, do you think? Interesting for her. What do you think of Roshin as a as an apostle? Like her state of mind. That's what, that's one thing I was kind of going through when I was doing this recent reread. Is you know what, what she actually thinks <laughs> the rest of the world is like. Like she chose to create her little paradise there. How how sane of a person is she? Do you think? Do you, I mean obviously she's not approaching this rationally at all. But like, go ahead, Nazil. I was going to say, I, I think it's like she's uh, playing a little game, you know. Mm. She's a, she's in a little world where the adults are bad guys and she's just playing and playing. And when she dies, it's when she realizes, well, she's played long enough. Now she, mm. she wants to go home. And uh, I think that's part of the tale which is being told. But yeah, yeah I think she's, uh, she's like a, really like a kid, which is, mm-hmm. you know, she's playing and all, but... She's not being very serious. I, I wouldn't say she's, she's insane, but mm-hmm. she's not being very serious about it, and she's not thinking about it rationally at all. What What I love about that is that Mir doesn't just leave it as that. He doesn't leave it as just a kid who's out playing. He layers it, and he, and he gives meaning for why she's in that state of mind, because she was escaping child abuse yeah. and yeah. an abusive family yeah, what she wants to you know? escape from. Right. That's fantastic. He didn't, he didn't even necessarily need that nuanced detail to explain her state of mind, but he, you know, makes sure that's structured in there and is also cyclical and is also what Jill's going through. So you have all that going on at the same time. So that's fantastic. 
And yeah, the other thing that's neat about her in that regard is that she's not just like a little girl either. Like she's not like Jill. Like she, right. you know, she's sort of a tomboy. You know, in a sense, she see like she's got you know these big sort of bright eyes when they show her as little girl. She like she looks like she get into lots of trouble. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. she looks very creative. You know, she's always, you know, they show the scene where she's collecting, you know, like snails and snakes and things. Yeah, she's pulling the snake tight. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, we all know people like that that like to go out and get into trouble, get into adventure. You know, good natured. Yeah. You know, you know, very, you know, free spirits. And, you know, yeah. I think they did a good job of establishing her that way and also showing that, you know, it would take that kind of person to sort of become what she became. And, you know, that it's interesting, you know, the good and bad of that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's it's very well uh, it's very well done overall. I think her characterization is extremely well done. It's one of the best in the series. And uh, you know, overall, if I have to, you know, again comparing this little story to stories that touch on a bigger scope, you know, where more things are going on, I think with a smaller scale, Miura was able to create characters which were shown in more details and more depth overall. So. Again, it touches on this side where it's uh, a little, you know, more intimate adventure versus something which is more epic and uh, bigger in scale. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and paradoxically, I would like to see more of those. <laughs> I would like to. I would like to see. I'll, I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain. God yeah, damn. he wants it all. Oh my God, this guy. <laughs> I will explain. My. My predicament is is more. I would like to him. I would like to. I would like Miura to have set the pace for what will come before he went straight into this kind of self-contained episode or chapter. That's that's all I really mean. I wanted to get a sense of where the series was going. And, and now that we're now that we're on pace, now that we know where this the series is going and the scope it is, I would love to have a more intimate character portrait like that. There's time for that. There's room for that right now. I think that could happen. And and. You know, an elf film. We could learn more about the characters in there. You know what's uh, ironic about, you know, Lost Children compared to what came after and, you know, sort of, like you said, setting the pace and establishing, you know, what's going to be happening in the future of the series from that point on is that, I mean, how many people do you think liked, you know, the things that came immediately after uh, Lost Children better than Lost Children as they were reading it? Because I can remember, like, sort of a... Like, you know, by comparison, like, there was a relative, like, malaise people felt. Like, that's just sort of, you know, he's in the Holy Land. We're not yeah. quite sure where things are going to go. And it's sort of, like, compared to, like, him, you know, in this little apostle, like, battle he was locked into that's like a fairy tale. And mm-hmm. as we said, a really well-done, self-contained story. I feel like people, like, at the moment, like, they, you know, they did, there was a reason they didn't like it as much. And it's interesting now how, like, in hindsight, you look back on it because you know where it was going and how big it was. And the reason it was slower in the beginning is obviously because it's building up to something much bigger Mm -hmm. and establishing all that. But it's just interesting, you know, how I think, you know, he part of the reason he did that was to get people like engaged with Guts again in the character without having to do like sort of, you know, having to gear back up like to a big epic thing where there's going to be a lot of exposition and, you know, it could get, you know, a little people, you could lose people where they're like, you know, where's this going? Yeah. You know, they could actually mm-hmm. like, instead of getting a sense for where it is going, sort of be like, what the, you know, what's going on? So I feel like he did that, like to sort of, you know, grab people and pull them back into this, you know, version of Guts world. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I've just remembered is that uh, Mura wanted right after the, the eclipse, I mean, he already knew he wanted to bring in a character like Farnese. 
it was already planned. So when she first shows up with the, the Hicks and mm-hmm. they check out the, the lake and such, Mira at that time, he had already planned to bring her in and possibly even to bring her in as a you know, companion to Guts. So, and you know, we, we know that uh, he also planned for Azan and Sapiko to join up after that. But my point is, you know, if he had gone directly to, you know, the social commentary or on the church and such and uh, the Holy See, the, the poor people, Fandes and Serpico, you know, I think people would have been very displeased with that because, you know, during these times, Guts uh, sort of takes a backseat for a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so so th- that's all the more reason, again, for, for that uh, chapter to happen when it does and where it does and the way it does because uh, it reestablishes guts it shows up you know it's all about him we don't mm-hmm. even hear about Femto and again it's coherent with uh, what happens during the Black Souls Monarch mm-hmm. so then he gets a trail he, he goes back to Falling Casca and we move on to the rest so I think you know I mean it might have been done differently and such but overall I think it was done the best way it could have been and I, I think it was very well crafted Honestly, it's one of the things that uh, that amazed me about Berserk at the time is that it's really w- very well crafted and very intelligently, you know, put together. Yeah, I I agree. But um, as far as like opinion of this section of the series, I, I get the impression just reading from people's posts and like if you ask like I think there was a thread along maybe a couple of months ago or a year ago. It's like what's your favorite gut version of gut or favorite section of guts. It's so like everyone's like black swordsman, or people would generally gravitate towards black swordsman guts. Like that's their favorite guts, and so anytime there's more black swordsman, that's a good thing. So <laughs> I think that's how some people's opinion of it. I think that's where a lot of the praise for lost children comes from. Some people is the fact yeah. that it's more black swordsman guts. Well, there's also the fact that we just we know we are never going to see him like that again. So right. there's also nostalgia that plays a bit, I think. Sure. Well, I also think it's that because of the quality of that episode, it you know it raised everyone's opinion of like black swordsman stories. Like they wanted more of that, and I think yeah. uh, Mira wisely like you know he didn't beat that horse. Yeah. He right. just yeah he just he did it. You know he reestablished that, and then yeah like like you know you wanted you know he sort of like then he went and like got got down to business and effectively what I was sort of getting into before, but it sort of came back around to like you know again justifying and defending all his children was that at the time. Like, I don't think, I don't know, everyone, you know, at the time, everyone's sort of favorite, like, chapter was Lost Children. And I don't think people felt, you know, they didn't like what came after it, you know, as much, you know, relatively. But I think we have, have like, horse blinders on. That's why. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. But now in retrospect, it's like, because I remember reading through, you know, uh, I get Conviction and uh, it was sort of like. Oh, where's this going? You know, they're in the Holy Land. You know, why can't it be more black swordsmen like Lost Children? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But in yeah. retrospect, it's like I look back on it and it's like it's one of the coolest parts of the series. Like every bit of it, like the stuff in the Holy Land, it's like it's gritty and dirty mm-hmm. and dark. And you know, in retrospect, it's great. But I remember at the time, it felt like it felt like weird. It felt like uh, I don't know if you, you guys will probably disagree, but like it it felt weird to me at the time. But yeah, in retrospect, it's like one of my favorite parts now. Do you well, mean like volume eighteen in particular? Or oh 17? yeah, vol- yeah. Vol- no, I don't count volume eighteen as part of my favorite part, but, but I just mean uh, you know going to the Holy Land and uh, <coughs> yeah, you know, and leading up to the the incarnation. Like that's yeah. just one of the that's one of the coolest you know parts of the series, and obviously it's like the the last part before 
sort of the line in the sand when Griffith yeah. comes back and the world changes and it becomes, you know, and the series shifts a little bit after that. Uh, I wouldn't say I, I found it weird, but uh, there's definitely a slower pace at some point, you know, during the birth festival uh, chapter. And uh, I, I think, yeah, you you can tell it's, uh, it's a bit different. I, I don't know if I would say maybe a change of atmosphere or a change of pace. I think the pace is a bit slower. And uh, yeah, when I, when I read it first, uh, I also felt that change of pace, but it didn't really bother me because uh, I'm mostly a patient reader, so I, I can endure that kind of stuff. And uh, it was well done, so I didn't mind. But yeah, I felt the, the change of pace, and I think some people may also have, have you know felt something like that uh, with uh, Ritanis, when we are, some people complained about it, said it was a bit you know too slow, a bit not addressing uh, the main part of the story, you know, quote-unquote, but... Uh, really? Wow. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. said so. Of course, you know, these people are not people I very deeply respect, but anyway, I, th- I think, yeah, the change of pace is what you felt. Because, yeah, it results in hell on Earth, so I don't know why people would complain about that part. Like, that was uh, yeah. that was great the way that finished up. But what's funny is, you know, we were talking about how people view Lost Children, how it was a lot of people's favorite episode, and they liked those little Black Swordsman episodes. And uh, maybe the closest thing to that since is probably the whole uh, thing with the trolls. You know, when you think about it, like a self-contained whimsical... Sure. Like yeah. England, a city, and that was, you know, at the time, you know, very controversial. People complained, yeah. you know, people exactly. That, yeah, yeah, people <laughs> complained that it was exactly that. Like, this is a diversion, you know, and everything. Why is it that? And you know, I look back on it, and you know, it was fine. And again, what I was saying about conviction and how, you know, I didn't like it at the time, but now it's one of my favorite parts. It sort of taught me to be a patient reader, like yeah. as said. And uh, I don't know. It's interesting to look back and see how people react differently. Like, you know, people, the same people that love Lost Children, like hated the the same kind of diversion where you know he's like going off on a very specific self-contained sort of quest and you know what what's crazy about it is that uh i actually love the the part with in enoch and uh, the trolls you know i really liked it yeah. and i liked it because it, it had been a while since we saw guts fight on his own you know and you see the trolls you see isidro and serpico because they're going and then Guts just takes the sword and he fucking goes through 10 of them at once <laughs> yeah, so that, that's pretty cool. You know, I think Mira has a very good sense of the fact the series at times it needs to have action and the action needs to be badass. You know, and uh, I I think he has a really good sense of that, and that's why he regularly just goes to guts, you know, fucking shit up. And uh, I think the the the, the, the part with the troll did a very good job of that. And uh, of course, the way it's done again is very intelligent, so it leads up to meaningful stuff. But yeah, that that part in itself, I, I always liked it. I always liked it, honestly. I, well, I never really understood the people who complain about it. What's uh, interesting I'll, is it's like, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Just in answer to what Azil just said, I I have no problem with it. With the troll arc, the <laughs> Enoch, the Enoch Village area uh, section yeah. of the series, volume twenty four, twenty five. I think it's really cool uh, it, because I mean, it sets, it's, it gives you a scenario and it walks you through from the beginning to the end of how that scenario was resolved with with very few cuts or time lags. You know, so that's really cool. Yeah. But yeah. um, I, and to play devil's advocate for the people that complained about it, I, I think the the apprehension at the time. Was because they were using the magical weapons, and there was a, there was an intense yeah. focus on magic, which was at the time new to the series. So yeah, and, you know the trolls, you know troll of the rings, <laughs> right? Forget that catchphrase. And 
I don't know, it's interesting about it is now I'm thinking of all these little uh, these little stories in the bigger picture, you know, lost children, sort of connecting them now, and you know how uh, the troll part in Enoch is sort of uh, sort of like a, also like got this sort of like folklorish feel, urban legend, you know, like very you know yeah. or, or grim fairy tale that sort mm-hmm. of thing. It has that very folk, especially the folklore like aspect. It has the, like that feel. I feel like more than any other part. And then from there, it you know obviously moves on to you know there's I'm I'm like seeing a pattern here like you have lost children and then you have like the conviction arc that you know ends up with the the uh, incarnation you have have you know the trolls and that little story and uh, we move on to Vertanis from there and have you know another you know major event you know like overall like story event and then yep. you know we have this thing with Innsmouth that is also like reestablishing the world yet again and how it's changed. Yep. Like, you know, it's gone, you know, we had like this sort of like Grimm's fairy tale folklore thing, and now it's like a much darker, like Lovecraftian, you know, thing that, you know, he's doing. And, uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm, hopefully, I, it looks like the next step will be a Elf Helm from there, and that'll be the big story sort of mm-hmm. uh, Indeed. thing to come next. I haven't seen too many people complain about the current chapter, really. Uh, maybe I haven't been paying too much attention, but. If there was any, I imagine it was probably heightened by the delays and the breaks, which would have been the worst in the series so far. There, so. Yeah, well, I've so seen complaints about like the pirates, like oh, okay. the pirates are bad. You know, they became like the trolls and magic weapons of like the whipping boys of yeah. this uh, this little chapter. Yeah. Well, anyway, people are always complain. You know, I mean, people will complain about Alfheim when we get there, and they'll complain about Falconia when we get there as well, and they'll complain about the final battle when we get there also. So I, I don't pay too much attention to it, but I'm pretty sure people have been complaining about the the island. Yeah. Well, to kind of tie a bow on Lost Children, we've kind of diverged quite a bit from the topic, which is fine because we're talking about cool stuff. But um, do you think we'll see Gilligan? Uh, probably not. I, I honestly, I wouldn't mind because I think Mira would do it intelligently, but uh, probably not. She's one of those characters which we are not going to be coming back to. I think. I agree. I think. It, I think the way the series the, that section of the series ends with her in a very, you know, um, uh, confident, positive uh, attitude is a great way to end her character. You know, she's yeah. looking forward to the future happily now instead of. Depressed. That is no, like it, a beautiful, like sort of poster. That ending with her yeah. walking away and guts going his own way with Puck. Yeah, that is a very like that's the talk about putting a bow on it. Yeah. Then again, I can I can see ways for her. It would be it would be natural and, and interesting to have her brought back. Like if you think of guts, it's kind of like the guy that's holding a torch against the darkness. It's how Farnes eventually saw him. Uh, you know, guts kind of you know inspired Jill, and if. Monsters are taking over villages. Maybe she will be someone that you know helps people out in those scenarios too. Or she'll yeah, just like, think of him. Yeah, exactly. Sort of a thing. And they're going to be like when Guts is making the the big Gankadama to hit Griffith with at the end. You know, he'll need all he'll need all his supporting characters from the past to lend <laughs> yeah. him their power. He'll need Teresa <laughs> you know, and her knife. A, yeah, you know they're going to. Yeah, she'll be she'll still be carrying it, but she'll be out in the woods and have made peace. <laughs> but yeah, you know they can they can do that sort of montage at the end if guts becomes you know sort yeah. of a a savior figure for the world. I mean, I don't know if you know we're going to go there or not. I mean, he's it's happened in the past on smaller scales. He's been mm-hmm. seen that way by the end of uh, of episodes and chapters. So mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see that on a grand scale where yeah, there's like a callback to maybe past. I don't know if uh, 
Mira, you know, has that, you know, in him if he cares about doing stuff like that. So I mean, I don't know. Cool anyway. Yeah, it would be cool to just see people sort of, you know, like, hey, I remember that guy, or like, yeah, you know, I'm not surprised he did that, <laughs> you know, sort of. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, a- across each individual chapter, he generally develops like a sort of a supporting cast, and the question's always, will we see them come up again, you know? And uh, it's kind of like a, it would work, it, it could work, but who knows, you know? I tend to think no. I think they're self-contained, yeah. and that's probably the end of it. But it could still it could still make it happen. It just has to I be even, in the right context. I even wonder like about you know Rickard. I mean, I'm sure we'll see him again. It's just I'm yeah. not sure like what context we'll see him again. Like it, it was sort of established you know directly in the story. Like you don't fit. <laughs> like sorry, <laughs> you can't come along. Well, he'll he'll be the premier blacksmith of Falconia, right? I hope not. <laughs> He's gonna have to die. Sorry, Rickard. <laughs> I tried to leave you out of this. I didn't take yeah. you along, but you know, cross the threshold. Yeah, you crossed the line, buddy. <laughs> you made your choice. <laughs> well, did we have anything else about Lost Children? I know we kind of breezed through it, but because we got it got it yeah. turned into like you know, I would actually hate Lost Children. I actually um, go back to Russian a bit, uh, okay, sure. and specifically uh, her guardians. You know, I think what's very interesting about her characters and apostle is. There weren't many apostles like her with so many, you know, uh, pseudo-apostles under their orders. So she, she had both her children who were in the form of uh, elves, you know, fake elves, and uh, the yeah. guardians which uh, protected the forest, which are adults she transformed. I, th- I think it's a, it's a pretty cool concept. So to go back to what we were saying earlier about uh, her uniqueness of sorts as an apostle, I think that's also a way in which she's unique. Yeah. She, she could have made a, her own like little army. She had a lot of power. She had a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of kids in that thing. Jesus. Yeah. And you know, and it's even to the point that she brought them to the eclipse. You know, so yeah. she she brought her guardians with her. So she didn't even you know dirty her hands uh, when they encountered the hawks. She just you know she had her guardians kill them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she she kind of packed her bags, and she was all, she was still kind of working on the job as well. Like she was doing her personal stuff while on the clock. Whenever she was trying to recruit Rickard, you know, while en route to the <laughs> eclipse for for work, She's like I'm gonna pick I, up it as well. I, I'm not sure she was really trying to recruit him, though. I mean, really, she pointed at him and all that stuff. I figured they would wrap. Well, him. you know, they were on top of a pile of corpses, so yeah. I mean. I That's think true. she might she might have told them to just dispose of him. Mm. But uh, oh, well, it's an interesting point though that you know because he's a kid, you know that she would have special interest in him. Like I don't think she was targeting him, but just like after everyone else is dead and then it, he shows up, she might have yeah sort of decided like oh he could be one of us. But you know uh, yeah you could sort of interpret it either way. Like she could have just you know I always yeah. looked at it like she was just going to kill him. Yeah, because I mean, she would have to set up a cocoon and such, and they were on the road, and yeah, he's, <laughs> he's part of he's part, he's part of a group that was supposed to die anyway. So I mean, all those yeah. facts put together. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I like that a lot. And there's one other thing uh, in that uh, chapter which is quite unique. Is uh, there's an episode just for Puck actually, and I, I think that episode that uh, chapter in itself does a lot for Gus and Puck's relationship. It establishes a lot between them, and um, yeah, I, I found that pretty interesting. I mean, I, I like Puck, and I think uh, that chapter makes him pretty endearing to the reader, specifically. Is the whole specific? Is that the one where he references the reader? <laughs> I think. Yeah, the readership. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's sitting on top of a crow and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's thinking about the gold hand. And yeah, yeah it's, it's a whole episode just about Puck. I mean, it starts with him on top of a scarab. As this guy does knife as a knight, sorry, and uh, you know he, he has his he's it's when he's going to look for Jill, right? Yeah, uh, uh, Bird gets frustrated with him by the end. <laughs> yeah, and he makes think, the point. You know, I think uh, Puck drives the point home. It's like, yeah, I'm here because if I wasn't here, this would be pretty dreary. Yeah, <laughs> like the way around. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny, and you get a little caricature of the God Hand during that section as well, of course. But I think it intercuts between Guts and his fight and Puck a couple times as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, let me reiterate. I think Lost Children is very, very well crafted. Again, it's Why like, do you hate Lost Children? People might be battling this out in the thread as well for taking controversial point. That's fine. No, you know, no, no, no. Actually, it, I, you know, you were criticizing it in like a, the lightest way possible. We're just not having it. <laughs> yeah. not, you know. It's fine. We're you allowed were, to you disagree. Were, yeah, <laughs> you cross you're the line, man. Wrong. That's just, fine. just like Ricky when he went to walk for Griffiths. <laughs> now you're going to die. Ricky. I hope no one ever actually calls him Ricky. Yeah, like, <laughs> like they do that with like Corcus or something. Like, yeah, it, what it was Corcus in the in the anime or something. Yeah, one yeah, of the dogs. I was, I was looking at the, the notes. I'm like, do we have a whole lot to say about Avengers? I, I, I could probably talk about it for a little bit, but it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to boil down to, yeah, it was good. You should go see it. Like, basically, yeah. is what it's going to be. Good. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess I'm I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, that would have been something to talk about, like, a couple of weeks ago, maybe. or last, I, I don't know. It's That's only been out for, like, a week, right? <laughs> like, so. Two weeks. This is in a second yeah. week in the U.S. now, I think. Yeah. But yeah, you know, because yeah, I didn't really, you know, I wanted to see it again after I saw it, but now even that's like faded. You know, I just remember it was good, and yeah, it didn't leave like a real deep impression. But it's a well, yeah, I enjoyed it, and it was good. It's an entertaining movie, but that's about it. I mean, yeah, I actually think it's a, it's a, it's well done. I I believe it was a, it was a bit tough to to pull off, you know, to put all those guys together and manage to make it work. But uh, yeah, it, it's still just a blockbuster. I can't remember. I can't think of a, a better summer blockbuster that is in recent memory. Like it, it hit all the high points. It's a kind of like a paint by numbers summer movie. Lots of explosions. Lots of big name actors. Well, one anyway. Yeah, and, you know, good, you know, a bunch of like jokes. It was like it could be a yeah. comedy. I mean, it yeah. like it. There was a joke like every every Absolutely. other line. That, that's what I, I told everyone after I saw it. Was like it was really funny. Like it was probably more funny than it was like action packed. You know, or like that wasn't really what made the impact on me was the action or fights. It was more like I was laughing throughout the, almost the entire thing. So yeah, and it was just uh, the way they you know they did all the characters justice too. I mean, everyone got except for like Hawkeye, but everyone else got like their scene. <laughs> You know, and yeah, they they took care of it. Like you know, I heard people comment. They said, "Oh, you know, like the characters, like even though they had much smaller roles, their mm-hmm. roles were better in this movie than in their own movies. Like their their story arc was better. You know, they were just more convincing. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. interesting." Yeah, walking into it, I actually had not seen um, Thor or Iron Man two. Actually, I never saw the second Hulk either, which I guess is the canon Hulk, right? Oh. None of them uh, are. No, yeah, <laughs> I, this I, one's I the see. canon Hulk now. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 
you don't really need to know anything else going into this movie. But you know what's uh, funny that you mentioned Hulk is that I think the the second one is still based on the first one because it like it the second one starts with him in South America, which is where the last one ended. So if it's not okay. directly following it, they were at least trying to you know make it yeah. seem like they were trying to make them energy you know work together. Yeah, it's it's a clusterfuck. I, I, I believe uh, Edward Norton wanted to he was okay to come back for the Avengers, but they refused him for some reason so Well I heard yeah, he I, wanted more money and I've also heard he's sort of like a pain in the ass. Like he 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 you know he tries to rewrite scenes and stuff and like take oh. over projects so like he might have been like he was just too much of a headache. Oh yeah. yeah. So that would make sense. Yeah, and, and I, I thought I thought Ruffalo did a good job. Yeah, actually, I liked him. I I, I liked him better as Banners, and I liked uh, you know CGI Hulk. I, I didn't like they tried to make the Hulk look like the guy, you know, the actor. Yeah. And uh, I, I I don't know, I didn't like it much. But his as an ex- actor, he was fine. His expressions were uncomfortable. Like he was really needed to take a crap basically the entire time. It's like the whole yeah. Time. Yeah, it just—it wasn't even like pure pain, just like like kind of embarrassed and pain. Like, <laughs> but um, I thought the Hulk was really what was really cool about the Hulk was he was kind he of the really, star of the movie by the he, end. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. he has the big moment with Loki, which I mean, I don't want to spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it, but there's a big, hilarious, triumphant moment for him in that. There's, but, um, yeah, there's a couple of moments like that, like and just the line where I mean, should we yeah. should I give a spoiler warning here? Or he has the line where he just says, you know, like, you know, that's my trick. I'm always angry, you know, right before he uh, that's takes great, all yeah. the big yeah. monster. Yeah, it's another great, you know, highlight for him. I yeah. was glad and, they milked that, too. They kind of, like, yeah. built that up throughout the whole movie, you know. Yeah, they were yeah, very good with those done. things. One of the things about the Hulk I really liked was they, they really, they made him, they gave him a really, really appropriate sense of power. Like, you know, <laughs> when he's unleashed, it's like, oh, shit, you know. Like, he tries to pick up the hammer, uh, Thor's hammer. Oh, yeah, he was like, so, I like how pissed he was that he couldn't pick it up. Like His feet go, like, through the the ship. Yeah, that, yeah. that was pretty cool. He's a total nerd, you know, nerd oh, yeah. or whatever. Total <laughs> That's the kind of moment where, like, we had, I had some real idiots behind me the whole time. And I, sometimes I would catch glimpses of what they were saying. And that was the kind of moment where they'd nudge each other and say, why, why can't you pick the hammer up? Like, oh, you're not nerdy enough to get that, guys, you know? <laughs> well, you know what? That's the thing that's interesting that sets this one apart is that there were little touches like that. Like, as said, it's like a very nerdy thing. But it's like, yeah, you know, the fact that it just had those touches usually missing from these movies. That's usually what's get lo- what gets yeah. lost in the translation first. Well, that if they, you can... No one would bother with that. If you can imagine how difficult it's, it is to play both those audiences, to play both the, oh. the general viewer and the comic book nerd, that's, that's a lot to juggle. And the yeah. fact that they did it and the advertising for it was also brilliant too. Like, you know, you hear the breakdowns. I mean, I know this isn't about the movie per se, but like I think initially it was like it was like 60, 40 men, women, you know, 40 percent of the audience was women. That's pretty incredible for a comic really? book action movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, huh. like that was the reports coming out of the first weekend, and it's like you know, there's a reason it made so much money is because everyone went to see it. You know, Disney advertised it as sort of a movie for everybody, huh. and yeah. you know, it it really delivered on that front. Yeah, it's actually, it's actually weird. I mean, I went to see it with a, a woman who is not specifically a fan of video games, uh, sorry, of comic books. So yeah, I mean, it really seemed to have pulled a lot of people that weren't necessarily the prime, you know, audience. 
I think it's because it had a lot of hot male actors in it too, possibly. <laughs> yeah, so that might be the case. Yeah. Could have been a oh yeah, like Chris uh, Helmsworth there. Yeah, my yeah. girl was was very happy. I think he <laughs> that was her favorite part of the movie. <laughs> I guess sort of like um, they had some good bits there with with all of them too. Uh, sorry, I'm so I'm just no, spawning no, no. over the movie randomly now in Bab. That's <laughs> but fine. I was going to no. say he has a good line too, where uh, when they're fighting and you know he says, "Oh, you're also petty." And small, because <laughs> yeah, so. he's just taller than all. Of them. Yeah, that's one thing me and Azir were talking about. I was like, Thor is a very endearing character. Like yeah. I liked him a lot. It's kind of just a big, dumb, noble guy, you know. Yeah, yeah he's just goofy, and you know, yeah, he's you know pretty endearing. Is really a term for him. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was basically like the royal there. He was like a knight or something, you know, right. coming to fight with them. Which is pretty fitting. And I also liked what they did with uh, Captain America. Well, they managed to make him... They have a few scenes where it really plays to the audience, which is, uh, you know, military fans or such. who are like, ah, soldier, you know, for the country and such. But <laughs> at the same time, they make it a point to show he's not just a moron following orders with a thinking. So I, I think they played that. It's really hard to get right. And I think they, they mostly got it right. So I, well, I was you know, impressed by it. You know what was interesting about that too is that they like they kept those characters like true to themselves like Captain America like he wasn't like you know not only did they do the jokes how he's not a modern guy like the wizard you know he only gets the Wizard of Oz reference but yeah. also like he says that he has that line about Thor which you know you don't expect from liberal Hollywood you know where they say oh those guys are like gods you know and Captain America says very definitively yeah. you know there's only yeah. one god and he doesn't dress like that <laughs> and, and he yeah. and he doesn't say it like in a funny way, it's like, that is just Captain America's beliefs. Like, that is from the time he's from. And I, I just appreciated that. Like, yeah, you know, like, there was no sort of compromise on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. there wasn't anything self-aware about it. It was just, he just said that because that's how Captain America feels. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. It's even better because he's, he, I think at the end he finishes with a mom, you know, because he's talking to a woman. Sure. So, so yeah. he's addressing them very, I mean, old-fashioned way. Yeah. He and also, yeah, you know, they they could have easily had like a similar line, but sort of hedging their bets, like, well, I don't think you know a god would dress like that, you know, or something like that. He also um, is constantly referred to as like grandpa or old man by Tony Stark the entire time, which I, oh yeah, I, I think I laughed or chuckled at every single time he did that. <laughs> but um, one another thing, like, for, it's it's kind of weird for me to say this. My wife is a big Buffy fan. I'm not a huge Joss Whedon fan, but given his history in cinema, it, it's great that he finally knocked one out of the park and he finally got you know the respect that he deserves for yeah tying this you know, making this work. Troubled, troubled history, yeah. like with starting with his Buffy movie that he didn't yeah. end up getting to. He wasn't even on the set when it was finished. I mean, he walked off in the middle of production. Oh, really? Because he. Yeah, because he did not like. Because I mean, he maintained afterward. You know, they like. You know, they stuck mostly to the script, but the way they they got the tone all wrong, and you know that was something he sort of set out to prove on the show. Anyway, I don't want it to turn into the Buffy podcast, but yeah, you know, he's had a troubled history in movies, like you know the Alien Resurrection thing we were talking about. Yep, yep. That was another one where he said like, you know, that that movie was supposed to be sort of like with a wink, mm-hmm. like all that stuff. You know, he's claimed that I I don't think it would be good anyway. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then what's funny to think about is he almost did X three. They tried to get him to do it because like it was partly based on a, on like part of the comics that he wrote. Wait, and X three. Uh, oh, X Men three. Okay. Yeah, which would have been mu- you know imagine if like he, his Avengers had been X Men three, that would have been great for <laughs> X Men fans. But yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, and then his only other movie, his only other film credit that he directed was Serenity, the Firefly movie. It's kind of amazing to think of a guy who like his, you know, this is his second movie. Mm. <laughs> you know, did, did it actually come out in the theaters? I think it did, but it was like very under. It's amazing yeah. to think that it did come out because the sh- it was a bomb TV show, like that got yeah. you know killed by the network pretty quickly. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I think he just did it so he could get a project like this, you know, so he could have a credit under his belt. Right. Well, actually, uh, I think the fan really petitioned for it very long and hard, and uh, the studio, you know, allowed him to basically finish finish the story of Fireflies. That's how the movie came to be. I think the fans petitioned for like a solid year for it to happen. Yeah, it was one of those things. Yeah, I, I think I remember that. Yeah, there was a big campaign, and then it was like, you know, oh, the fans are going to come out, but it was like it still didn't perform the kind of numbers. Like, sure. Know. Yeah, yeah, it was still, uh, you know, not very, not very good. Well, I mean, what do you expect? You kind of have to know the story of the series. It's, it's not that, that movie was not written in a way that it invites uh, people that are foreign to the TV show. You can't walk into that movie not having seen the show and appreciate it, you know? There's so yeah, many It's weird to, things. like, have a movie where you have to have seen a 13-episode yeah. show or whatever that it's, nobody it's watched. <laughs> it's not like, you know, exactly. you're making, like, Sopranos the movie or something. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> sounds, it sounds like Scrooge McDuck over here, but I, or Scrooge, I, I would not have greenlit that movie. I mean, I like Serenity, yeah. I like Firefly, but I wouldn't have given that approval. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But um, well, I, I guess they were trying to be nice, but... Uh, yeah. I'm looking at the box office numbers. Apparently, it did just shy of uh, what it cost to make in oh, the box office. That's not as bad as it could have been, I guess. Yeah, Ooh. I'm pretty sure with the DVDs and such, they they got their money back. But yeah, just barely. But I just, I mean, I think it's a yeah. testament that. To, I think it's a testament to the studio is probably like I think they respect his work and respect him as a pro. The fact that they let him make that movie and then they gave him this one. Yeah, like yeah. they saw that potential. That's what I was trying to bring this up to was, you know, he, he got this. This is a huge pedestal to, to put Joss Whedon on, to ask him to perform. And in my this has never happened before. This is kind of a big, huge blockbuster where they're tying multiple franchises that all, you know, funnel into Avengers. You know, that's a yeah, big they made like five movies build, you know? basically as an advertisement for it's this never movie. Never happened before. Never happened yeah. before. So. And, and you know, I, I remember when they first announced the project. You know, they were saying like, "Yeah, we are going to do individual movies, and then we'll make an adventure movie." I was like, "Whoa, this is going good luck, guys!" Be- yeah, yeah. Did, you actually, did anyone actually suck. think that would happen? Like no. when I when you first heard that, it's sort of like, "Yeah, okay, good luck." You know, like the third movie is going to bomb or whatever, and it's going to yeah. be. Over. I, given, I, I given the qualities, it, given the quality of most of those Mar- Marvel movies, I was not optimistic. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of another Marvel movie I really liked. I think it was like Spider-Man 1. I didn't really like anything else except Avengers. Everything else has been making me roll uh, my eyes the entire time. I like the Iron Man movies. Oh, Iron Man was good. I think they're pretty good. And Thor, honestly, was not too bad. I mean, it's not uh, incredible, but the characters are sympathetic and uh, there's some correct action. I mean, it's a decent movie to watch on a Sunday evening when you're bored or something, but yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm. I guess I had like a nervousness in the pit of my stomach that it, it wouldn't do that well and it wouldn't be well received. But I'm just glad it did really well and everyone. Yeah, there's it. always that. Yeah, I, I had the same thing where because everyone was talking about, oh, it's going to be a big movie. People are expecting big numbers, and I always worry like, oh man, one of it bombs, and they're yeah. never going to let it make a movie again. <laughs> <That's sort of laughs> you're out, Eden. You're out. 
you know? Yeah, you blew it. Because <laughs> now we can oh, we go and make for... now we can make the Buffy uh, season eight movie. Uh, yeah. Just like... <laughs> yeah sure. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, read the comic, man. It's solid. Ah. <laughs> uh... Diablo 3 at this point? Uh, I'm in Arc uh, 3. But okay. Here's a, here's a beginning. Right. Of Arc Griff, 3. Griff and I just beat it last night. Um, I actually played through Acts 3 and 4 back to back. I didn't mean to. I only meant to just drop in, check the uh, check on my progress with one of my other friends, and he was like, at Act 4. I'm like, holy shit, you're already that far? He's like, yeah, I'll walk you through 3 and 4. I'm like, uh, sure. I got two, three hours. So around 1 a.m. Oh. I finished it. But, um, I'm liking this game a lot more than I thought I would. Like I was excited yeah. about it, having played the beta, but I I mean, I never really expected me to really really enjoy it. I thought I'd play it, you know, once through and then that would be it, but cuz here's the thing, the Diablo 2 formula did not was not very effective for me on a long term. Like I had this like it, to me I had this loop where you'd want to get more loot so you could kill faster, so you could get more loot. And that like pattern became really evident really quickly in Diablo 2 for me. With Diablo 3, there's so many more things going on that you kind of forget that you're trapped in that loop. I mean, that loop is happening, but you're, you're not like actively aware that you're trapped. You know, I'm enjoying yeah. myself enough that I'm forgetting that I'm in a you know, nightmare loop, basically. It's it's addictive to the point that it's adversely affecting my life. I'm going to be here. honest. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm sleeping four to five hours a night. The rest of it <laughs> is like playing Diablo 3. And now, you know, I feel terrible. I'm hungover. <laughs> I'm, you know, yeah. I feel bad, you know, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's Yeah, it's more fun than I expected it to be. You know, I thought I'd get it and I'd play it. As a matter of fact, I thought I'd sort of have to like slowly build up to it. But it's, yeah, I've just been having these nonstop sort of play sessions. Like, I, I'm still limited in how much I can play it. Like, i got to play late at night. But it's like, I'll get on there, and I'll basically stay on all night doing it. It's very hard to quit. What I, what I find is funny is they give you so many opportunities to, to, to back out and just to, to log out. Because you can, like, you know, they give you a billion checkpoints, and you can always stop at any waypoint. I'm just like, yeah, I'll just keep playing. I, I know the waypoints there. Let's just you see what? what's around. Let's see what's it's around. It's almost place. like a trick because that entices you because you figure like, well, the next waypoint isn't that far away. I'll exactly. just get to the next one. <laughs> yeah. I'll just go over this next dune, and <laughs> and then you're just in the middle of the desert, and you're yeah. you know you're gonna keep you gotta keep walking. Or if like if you're playing like a zeal, like you have this waypoint, but there's still a lot of fog around the area. We should clear those areas out before we pull out. <laughs> next yeah, I mean, yeah. You should always clear the map. That's, you know, rule number one. <laughs> I clear every corner of the map. I wouldn't want I, to I tried doing that at first, but then, like, I got, then the first time I got involved in a multiplayer situation and it became clear that, you know, those were just going to happen every once in a while randomly, I just said, all right, sometimes you just got to run through. And there's not really yeah. any point to, like, trying to, I don't know, about, see every part of the story or the world. What about that cracked shield you just missed, huh? Yeah, great, a cracked shield. <laughs> it's forced 30... a thing. A solid gold, okay? Yeah, one gold. Or, or I, yeah, I could have gotten three gold for that. Damn it. Yeah. No, no, I, go, I go around hitting every single barrel and every single table, and I get like 37 extra gold. Like, yippee, <laughs> you know? One of those yeah. barrels has like, you know, that A super fast attack speed 100 damage sword in it. So. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, when you destroy... Actually, 
Go ahead. When you destroy enough bars in a row, you get, you know, XP bonus. So. You get the destruction bonus. <laughs> yeah. Plus, yeah. XP bonus. <laughs> Plus six, yes. There's so much, there's so much to me. Like, I, I, I love the game. I'm enjoying it. No, it's, it's, it's pure fun. It's yeah. a good way to describe it. They just boiled it down to, like, a bunch of fun, repetitive action. Yeah. And also, uh, like, when, when I was playing, when it was me and Griff, one of Griff's friends, and I think when Griff's dad was playing, we had all four male barbarians, right? Oh, yeah. We're, we're going through Act 2, and it's like, we get into a big battle, and at some point, I don't even know what's happening on screen. I'm just, like, right-clicking and, and, and left-clicking, right-clicking, left-clicking. I can't even see what's happening, because there's just so many corpses exploding all over the place, uh, items being dropped. It's just input sensory overload, you know? Yeah, we're just... I have to use the ground stomp just so I can see which enemies are alive, you know, like sort of a thing. Have you done, have you experienced that? Yeah, to have the stun gets over their head. Yeah, so you, you can see oh, the stun, you know, like, oh, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if those were corpses or monsters attacking me. That's why That's why I find Cleave really useful, because, like, you know, you're going to hit something in <laughs> the wide area. Yeah. I actually died uh, once in Act 3 because uh, I couldn't see where my character was anymore, you know? Yeah. I was just <laughs> destroying everything. I Suddenly, I just couldn't see where, where she was. And, uh, yeah, actually, she was being ganked by some, you know, fuckers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, Act 3, I was, Act 3 I was and 4, they throw way more enemies at you than in the previous acts, which is awesome, you know? Well, I like that, yeah. Yeah. It just makes them all explode in a row. It's pretty Exactly. Sad. And you guys want to discuss the... Plot. I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> as it were. I or, around mid Act Three, I just said fuck it. I'm just hitting escape whenever I encounter any dialogue. I don't even care because I gave them their chance to, to have a story, <laughs> and then they just crap the bed every single time. So well, you no, know what? It wasn't even. They didn't even like you know. Sort of, there was. They didn't ever overreach because everything was like the most obvious thing that you knew was going to happen. It's like you know, it's everything it is, is a, super obvious. Everything is, a, is clear. It is uh, by it is by the numbers Diablo yeah. stuff. It's like yeah. you know the little the little kid emperor that's helping you, and you're saying, oh, "Why yeah. are you? How did you get here? Oh, oh!" It's like you know. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you're surrounded by liars, and someone's gonna betray you. <laughs> not me. It's like it's so. It's like yeah, you're Belial. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna be Belial. We know. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, like everything. Just like we knew it was Tyrael. You know that was the angel that fell from the sky. They, I like how they pretend it's a mystery. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love how their great plan is to capture every single evil into one thing. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that a was... great idea. Nothing's gonna go wrong with it. Nothing <laughs> could go wrong. <laughs> their plans yeah. are quite terrible. But okay, let's talk about like not necessarily the story, but how about just like sort of the themes of the different acts, like the worlds and everything. How do you guys feel about that? Sort of like is it sort of like a greatest hits album? Like to be honest. Like yeah. I, was, I described it to Azil as it's like a remix. It's like you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it in a slightly different way. Yeah. They basically brought back like everyone's favorite like parts. Like, oh, we got Tristram, so you're going back to Tristram, and then Luke Galane, you know, people like that. That was a cool place, and you know, of course, the the Ariat Summit, the Barbarian Homeland. Everyone, you know, thought that was cool. So I sort of feel a- like we're just. Uh, there's also this point in Act Two when you're going through Cool's, you know, archives. Like, am I in Pandemonium? Is this Pandemonium from Diablo yeah. Two? I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> and you're doing the exact same thing there. You're helping out. Like, it's Tal Rasha's tomb before in Act Two, but now it's like Cool's tomb or his archives. Same, same bullshit. What's funny is they always have to, like, is the fact that, you know, these fetch quests, they have to make up for you. It would be filler in any other game, but, you know, yeah. because this game essentially is just, it's just an excuse to kill things rather yeah. than, like, 
you know, going down levels. It's like you're going to different places for totally fake reasons. And I don't know. It's always funny the way they have to come up with that strain. I need you to get my blood. Now you need to go oh, get yeah. my head. Now you need get to go get my body. Right. Why don't you just give me the elevator to hell? You know, let me just, just fight my way just, down there. Just like have a waypoint that says enemies are here. Like I'm going to follow that one and then go over there. Although, and kill you know what? It does let you. Do, it does let you do that though. Like the that's one yeah. thing I appreciate about the game is the story is completely optional. You can just be in a Hit fight. Escape. Hit escape. Constant. Done. Yeah. Yeah. It's very versatile that way. If you want to pretend to get into the crappy story, you can. But you can also hit escape and just, you know, never have to not be in a fight. Even when you, you know, even if you have to talk to somebody to engage the next part, you can just skip the dialogue, you right. know, immediately. Well, why does why does why does the story have to be so generic though? I mean, Blizzard's one of the most. I think that they don't the think it is generic. I think they. I think by the end they thought like this was like compared to like you know Diablo was neat the story in that one is actually neat because it's it's so generic and basic and very like fairy tale ish. Simple. simple. Yeah. It's the simplicity that made it good. Little did yeah. we know that like that's the best it was simple because that's the ble- the best Blizzard could do. <laughs> like this is <laughs> I feel like this is their attempt at like a tour de force. <laughs> well they had a different obviously the teams have changed since back then. Yeah. But I mean I just think their their sense of the quality of their stories is really over bloated. Like the World of Warcraft, those those are freaking terrible. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same shit over here in Diablo. It's just super, super generic fantasy stuff. To to be honest, I, I I've been pretty disappointed by it. I mean, not just the story, but yeah, the environments, the setting. It's just yeah, like, like you guys said, it's just a remix of every, of what was been done before. But I I don't know. I think honestly, given the time it's taken them to to create it, I, I expected. More for, from them. I mean, yeah, sure, the g- gameplay is great, it's addictive and all, but yeah, I don't know. I think they could have made uh, more of an effort. And, you know, by comparison, as well, as I was telling Walter earlier, I, I think StarCraft 2 was pretty well done in that regard. And uh, I'm actually surprised that they just went with the most generic things they could find in Diablo 3. Well, I, I can't wait for what they're going to come up with for Diablo 4. After they, <laughs> oh, yeah. After they wrapped it up. You, you know, I mean, as do you care about, like, minor spoilers oh, no. or anything? Oh, don't of course, of, of oh, course yeah. he does. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I actually do, but, you know, yeah. yeah dude, I, well, dude, the, what do you... Hmm? Yeah, just seriously, okay, lay okay. it out for us. Yeah. Lay it out for us. It's probably true. Go ahead. No. Uh, well, Diablo's going to come back, but he's not... Oh, oh, spoiler. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. No, that's basically... No, your guy says at the end, there's like, well, the evil's defeated, you know? It's like, <laughs> like, uh, well, you never know. Evil always comes back. It's like, well, thanks. <laughs> you know, I knew you guys were going to make D- Diablo 4 anyway, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, did you have to... You know, you didn't have to have my character say... Uh, I don't know. The barbarian character is like maybe the neatest character. He's totally generic too, but at least he just, you know, he's very commanding. Like his yeah, I role. Like his, I like his attitude. I like his old man attitude. Yeah. And he's always he's the one who's always telling people, you know, like he doesn't need anyone like giving him an attaboy or being like, you can do it. You know, he's always like, everyone is always like, we're doomed. And he's like, no, I'm going to kill Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to destroy all the evils. <laughs> While everyone else, you know, Tyrael is like, oh, we're going to lose. <laughs> the banter in this game is... <laughs> Man, it's it's nausea. It's nauseating. Um, between your helper characters and also whenever oh you God. encounter some random guy, like, I, there's a moment. I don't want to spoil it for a zeal. This is ridiculous. I'm saying, talking about spoilers for a random quest. 
It's like the catapult section, Griff. Do you remember this? Where you have to click the winch? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And the dude's yelling at you the whole time? Oh, and he's really, and he gets at the end, you know, he's like, has the generic, oh, I lost my temper, sorry, and it's just like, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, is... that's, to, that's, the, that's the worst point in the game to me, that's the worst. <laughs> you know how we said how, like, Avengers thing. was consistently, like, witty and funny and the dialogue was good? Yeah. This, it's like the opposite here, it's oh, like, you yeah. know, instead of hitting a home run every time, every time it's like a strikeout, it's like, oh, it's, you know, you just yeah. hear like a, you know, <laughs> you can tell whenever the, the way they're running it like they think there's a real zingers in there like they think this is really funny stuff like the way yeah, oh the scoundrel and his jokes where it's like yeah that's exactly what a scoundrel would say if you look up scoundrel in the dictionary they might have this dialogue you know, there. It's like, uh, yeah it's, just hit escape man escape solves all those problems it just rips it yeah. right no the the i take the enchantress with me and uh hmm? even she is annoying yeah, she and she's like sort of like she's like I was thinking of her. She's like the Javik of this game, and that she's like from the past and has all the would have all these insights. It's a, it's mostly just a bunch of generic crap about you know how the world is different. Yeah, and also she says a lot of annoying stuff too. Like you know she'll like ruin moments. Like you're like in some you know like impressive looking landscape and she'll just say something really stupid and it's like well I'm glad you're here. <laughs> to yeah, she she says to the barbarian, "Are you okay? I'm fine." Why? You were quiet. Well, the one thing that made me laugh was I was like, I spent like 20 minutes doing my items or something. And she was like, the prophet never told me how boring you could be. <laughs> that was a good little, that was a good one. <laughs> That's yeah. about it. Lee actually uh, told me stuff like that while I was yeah, in, in town, you know, shopping oh, or something. Yeah. She's like, oh, aren't, aren't we supposed to go some adventuring or something? Or aren't adventurers supposed to go adventuring? <laughs> Shit like that, you know. The, you take... like, the Leah character, speaking of the plot and just horrible choices, her being a skeptic, <laughs> is this just the dumbest thing? Oh, I yeah. I, I know oh, I, yeah. I should be over this by now. It was It's like act one, but... It's just ridiculous, I mean. Yeah, she's the, very the, first time you, the, very, the very first time you see her, there are zombies coming out of, like, are becoming, <laughs> people are becoming zombies. <laughs> like, right oh, yeah, the- and she, you know, you know, the opening scene, like, there's a, a meteor coming to hit the Earth that was prophesized yeah. Kane's book, and she's like, yeah. just leave those stupid books, they don't, they're, they're <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> it's like, it's happening right now. <laughs> Even at the, end, at the end of Act 1, she's like, yeah, they were just stories. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it it makes no sense. You you know, a lot of things is uh, I think uh, in the game when you go into some random shack or something, and there's a little story where some guy is hiding some refugees from the monsters and such, and it's like I don't know, it it feels like they were all written by different people, you know, separately and tried to put together to make a patchwork that lo- looks like a story and. Leah's story is a bit the same. I'm, when you you read uh, her, you know, journal entries or diaries or whatever, mm-hmm. it feels like they were written for a previous version of the game where things were a bit different. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I mean, it makes no sense otherwise. I read the, all... I read like maybe three out of like I don't know were there like twenty of those. Like I I, I missed them for a long time and then clicked on one. It was like Leah's journal number thirteen, and I was like, what? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the last one I saw was three. <laughs> so I, I okay. always click on those, but I just hit escape because they give you like a thousand XP or something like that. Oh so they're god! Worth picking up. They're worth picking up. I click just... on them, but I listen to them because I'm, yeah, oh. I'm saying. Yeah, I'm like, I, you know, I'm with you as I have to sort of like, I'm like, I hate it, but I have to listen to everything. After yeah. I actually, after I beat the game, 
after you beat the boss, you can, you know, still do stuff for a little while before you end the game. And your characters have things to say. And I went through all my helper characters and listened <laughs> to all the old dialogue I hadn't listened to. And it took oh, like man. an hour. It was like it totally <laughs> killed the euphoria of beating the game and everything. It was just like listening to the scoundrel, you know, hearing his story come to conclusion. Oh, I was like, God. okay. Do you Jesus. get anything from that? Is it like a Bioware game where if you talk to him enough, you can have sex with a scoundrel or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> no. Although they do, although one good tip, I, did you uh, hire one at the end before you quit the game? I don't know. Because I, 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 uh, I hired the Enchantress, and then when I started on Nightmare, she was with me from the beginning. Oh, they're still there. Oh, actually, only the scoundrel and the Templar are there in Nightmare with me, which is kind of weird. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, because I, because I, because I don't know if it's a flaw, but because I hired her, she immediately started with me, and but she yeah, had well, dialogue too, like so it's like not a mistake. Because yeah, she was commenting on things already, like oh, this place is really messed up. Uh, <laughs> that's generic. Yeah, I mean, in um, in in my nightmare, to, uh, New Shristrum, my blacksmith's already there, and I just started. So, oh, okay. So yeah, I guess that stuff carries over. I'm glad. There's not a joke after though. Oh, did you watch the credits? I left the room for the credits, and I made a sandwich, and I came back like 15 minutes later, and it's still running. They were still running. Oh, my God. Because I, I, yeah. I, I beat it at like 3 in the morning last night, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, I'll watch the credits. It'll be like five minutes. Because I wanted, you know, I didn't know if there was going to be something at the end. Yeah. And it was just so painful. At one point, they, they thanked every customer. They had every customer service representative in the credits. <laughs> and it's like all over the world, all over planet Earth. And and they had like- so much. I was like, let's, let's thank the community. Let's thank everyone on the floor. Let's thank all the beta testers, all, you know, two million it also, of them. It, was offensive. It, it also gave you a sense of how offensively big this project was because it just had a million different, like, legal things and, like, customer service, customer satisfaction, this, and, not even, and stuff like strategy planning, you know, blah, blah, like things that didn't sound real, that just sounded like sort of consultant jobs that were, like, you know, run amok on this project over the last 10 years. It was horrible sitting through those credits it kind of made me it made me like the game less by the time it was over. <laughs> i didn't Although even I, watch him i just yeah i, I yeah i mean I, brought, I went to the bathroom in the middle but like i said i didn't want to miss anything like if there was something at the end but there wasn't so helpful tip for you as just skip the credits sure. <laughs> you escape I but uh but uh, yeah, yeah before we close the diablo stuff i wanted to talk about um what are you guys playing like obviously me and griff playing barbarians or actually around the same level. I think I'm level 32. I think you're 32 as well. And after talking to you last time, I pretty much adopted your playing style, which is just frenzy overload. Like just attack speed is king for my guy. So, yeah. And Azil, you're playing a wizard. Yep. What are you gravitating towards in your skills? Like, what do you keep coming back to in your in your play build? Well, uh, there's one thing I, I've really kept since I first got it. It's called Diamond Skin. Uh, it's a spell that basically makes me invulnerable for an amount of time or some mm-hmm. a certain amount of damage. It's, it's very useful. And I use that along with a skin that's a, a, a force field or something like that. I just so I just either put diamond skin when I'm getting attacked or I just put it when I rush in the middle of the enemies and I use my, you know, air of damage spell, which just kills everything. Mm. So I have another spell that's called uh, Hydra. It basically spawns uh, some kind of, you know, Hydra head, which just attacks enemies continuously. So it's pretty useful as well. Mm. And other than that, I use mostly skills uh, that let me attack from far away. So... I've got the spell called uh, Electrocute, which I used uh, with you last time. 
It's uh, some kind of chain lightning. It's pretty useful. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, and I remember playing with you, and you just cleared like this entire row of enemies in like seconds. Even though you know we were appropriately leveled for that section, you just nailed through them with that thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty. I, I've also got another one that's a death ray. I think it's called disintegrate. I yeah. just got a. I just got a rune for it that doubles the damage. It's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> no wait, it's, as you're on the European server, right? Uh, yep. So, so you got wait. You guys played together? Yeah, uh, I've. I have a level 15 monk on there, on European servers. Oh, would I not be able to switch my uh, nope. you have to, my barb make, over there? It's a uh, whole new game. Yep. Oh. Nothing transfers. Not even your, for example, your blacksmith level. It's completely reset. This is your stash. It's all the way bound to zero. Wasn't there, isn't there like a global like server thing that's going to come online where you can like uh, sort of play on any of them eventually? I don't know. That'd be I great. I remember seeing something about that. Because I'm just going to have, like, the one Barbarian, probably. <laughs> like, yeah, I already have a couple alts. I have a 14 on my U.S. servers and a level 32 Barbarian, and I have a 15 Monk on European. I'm just not sure how much I'm going to play with that one, because, like, now I'm so invested in Nightmare. Like, I'm, it's all I'm about is doing Nightmare again, so. Well, yeah, because, like, that was, my goal was to get through it as fast, because I'm just trying to level up as fast as possible. Like yeah. I'm, I, I, I check all of your levels, you know, and everything. I gotta, gotta keep pace. <laughs> like, you've been ahead of me for since like act, since Act Two or two days ago. Well, I don't know. It doesn't sound like it really because like you've also got like a level fifteen and another character. So it's like yeah, it sounds like you've true. actually been doing more playing. Like I mean, yeah. I've just been the barbarian. Yeah, that's. I remember when the game first hit. I think some Korean guys beat it in like six and a half hours, and they're like, "Oh, is the game too short?" Like, no, the game is plenty long. I'm, I'm more than twenty hours into my barbarian, and I just finished the game one one way through, and that does yeah. not count, of course, the multiple builds I have. So there's plenty of game in here. Jesus, and you got to play through yeah. it multiple times. So well, also, and I, I like ignored half the side stuff you could do. Like, there's all sorts of little things you can go into to do you know, little dungeons along the way that you know I just didn't yeah. bother with because yeah, I realized you know the fastest way to level up is to do the plot get the plot points and XP and get to Nightmare. Where, you I, know, almost, like, I almost always win. If I saw a new area, I'd always go in because it meant you know yeah. a chance for a resplendent chest or something like that. Yeah, and by the well, by the end of uh, normal, I wasn't even like getting experience anymore. It felt like I was like you know slaying you know like hundreds of you know these like the most powerful enemies in the game and getting like nothing out of it. So and then I go to Nightmare and I'm killing zombies and I like level up. So yeah. It like, yeah. So it's like, okay, this is definitely the way to go. One of my friends told me that he um he got better drops in the first ten minutes of Nightmare than he did from Diablo, and I was like, wow. <laughs> Which hasn't yeah, happened I've, for I've me got yet. Shit but... drops actually. Like my, I, I played with my dad the other day, and like just very briefly, I just checked his uh his items and like talked to him in town. He had like amazing things compared to me, and I was like, damn it, I have, I still haven't gotten a legendary item. I have I got one legendary item on playing with a zeal, but it was honestly stats wise, it was useless. Like it was like junk, but it was legendary. Yeah, a lot of those rares and things like at this level, it's just it's it's always the stats you don't want. Oh, plus eight yeah. experience after monster kill, plus you know, right. plus a hundred to intelligence. Which for me, you know, as might like that, but not yeah. my character. I love it when you get like a class specific weapon, but it has like like a barbarian, but it has like plus eleven intelligence. Like what what am I gonna do with this? Yeah, this is this is useless to me, <laughs> literally useless. But yeah. you know what's interesting is how you adopted my like the all offense style I like talked about on the board. Yeah, is that after that, and it was it was because I multiplayed with uh, 
a couple of friends and I was getting killed way too much because like, you know, it was a neat style like by myself. It was like I said, it reminded me of, like the Vanguard in Mass Effect mm-hmm. 2 where you jump on the front lines and you kill things, you know, fast before they can kill you. And like basically by killing, you keep your health up and it, it worked like that. But in in multiplayer, I was just too weak because I only had like a thousand life. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I was doing three, it to the... three thousand. Yeah, you see, I was doing it to the extreme. <laughs> like, I had wow, everything dude. in uh, in offense. Like, that's why I had, like, I was, like, doing, like, at the height of that, like, almost, like, 500 damage per second. Yeah. So, but the thing is, is, like, you know, anything can kill you at the same... You can kill anything with one hit, but a lot of things can kill you pretty quickly, too. So I, I eventually had to compromise, and, like, now I try to have, like, 200 damage per second at least with, like, 4,000 life, at least at this point. That'll... There's no I found... I found it interesting that you were talking about that, <clears throat> about sacrificing vitality for strength. Because in this game... Vitality is worthwhile because you can't have... Well, you can't have it all. And you also, can, there's yeah, a, you can have it all. It depends on your equipment. There's a... Well, so what's interesting is, like, there's certain ways to go about it. Like, I noticed people, like, some of my friends, and I told them, you know, like, in my opinion, they were making mistakes, like, with their items. Like, because they'd, like, they'd not use a more powerful weapon for one that had better magic stats... Mm-hmm. And it's like the most, the best stat your weapon can have, the best attribute it has is damage and speed. It's just the damage. It's like you don't need plus whatever to magic or to, I mean, to strength on your weapon if it's not like, if you've got a weapon that does much more damage. It's like, get those stats on another item. Yeah, like, I, tend to, I tend to agree, but sometimes, like, I have an axe that does plus 50 strength, and it has, like, plus 20 damage as a, a gem socketed thing. So it's like, it's pretty yeah. solid, you know, it's, it's doing the job. But yeah, damage is key, I agree. <clears throat> but yeah, it's just yeah. with weapons and, you know, anything that like a ring or whatever that gives you plus three to six damage or anything like that is like you have to like, that has to be the number one thing. And then you can get the vitality and strength yeah. on all your other armor and items. So, but yeah, now I've, yeah, like you said, you can have it all. Now I've got a guy who, you know, could comfortably kill everything in hell really quickly. And also like I could spam the ancients and uh Earthquake. Oh, I like the one I like the like the the one that turns you into like a super barbarian. I, I hated that one. Really? That one, oh man. That, you, know, you know when that one's gonna be great? It's gonna be level sixty, because that's the one where it, it's gonna be self perpetuating. Oh I checked really? the, I looked on the runes. Uh, in the game and it was like you know at level 60 you can get a rune that like all the fury you collect or like with every kill it extends the time oh that wow you made that way so it's like you basically become that thing forever that's great but i didn't find it like practical though like compared to like earthquake or uh or the ancients like as a bailout like earthquake i still think is the most powerful of the attack because yeah, it, it kills everything around you and saves your ass and like immediately generates health <laughs> globs yeah it's with just the- so cheap with the, uh, I wanted to talk about like how I play my barbarian real quick. I, it probably bores some of the audience, but it sounds different from what you're doing, Griff. Um, like, how much do you use revenge? Do you use revenge at all? I do not use revenge at all. Let me let me do. I'll just quickly tell you what I've got set up. Like on, uh, I've got so, frenzy as my main attack, and then I've got whirlwind on uh, my my right click, and then on the on the numbers, number one is ground stomp. Number two is ignore pain. And then three and four are Ancients and Earthquake, and that's how I beat the game. Yeah, I guess with your limited health, you kind of have to do ignore pain. Well, no, now like, I've got um, now I've got four thousand health, but okay. I just decided well, to like it's it's convenient to become invincible, <laughs> you know, yeah, at certain yeah, times. Sure. Like when here's you're what I've been a, doing since Act Two. Here's what I've done, and it's been an extremely effective. Is you get the ground stomp, the one that sucks the man towards you, 
Like it all funnels them all towards you? Yeah, the, the rune after that is a piece of crap. The one that does yeah, minor damage to them. I just do the one that attracts all the enemies to you. And I do that if I have a revenge queued up. Revenge does 220% weapon damage and also heals yeah. for that amount. So I drag all you know, 30 enemies towards me, hit revenge, which is an area effect. It just kills everything in the area. Anything it doesn't hit, I have cleave, which explodes corpses. So it's just like a massive explosion of damage whenever anything comes near me. So that's how I've gotten through X2 through four basically is using that. That's a, yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds like something to do. I mean, there's just there's it's almost like there's no wrong way to do this with the barbarian. He's so powerful. Yeah. That's like, what I think was cool. It's like initially I was you know everyone has been skeptical about the way they changed it, and it really, really does now come down to your skill build. Like you have all the skills, but how do you use it? And which ones do you have active? Yeah, how do you many, combine them? You know? Yeah, right. that's what that's makes the, it that's, interesting. That's like, that's, unique. Like your combo sounds really interesting. The way they work, the way it all, work, the way you make them work together is, yeah. you know, where a skill that seems useless, like if you use it in tandem with another skill, like together they can become something just devastating. Yeah. And what's the reason I have Whirlwind is, you know, it's actually half for nostalgia because I was a Whirlwind bar. Everyone had a Whirlwind barb in Diablo two, yeah. but uh, so it's neat to have Whirlwind. But also because like with that, with the high damage. And full fury and all that. It basically pumps like earthquake or revenge, where it kills everything. Mm. If you're like fully powered and you just start whirlwinding around, you know, the, it'll just take things out. It's also a good way to quick kill groups, like when you run up to them without losing anything. Like there's no cooldown or effect. Mm. So that's why I have whirlwind queued yeah, up. I should have. I should experiment more. And this, I mean, this kind of goes for anyone that's playing the game. Is you get so many skills, and sometimes you just miss them, like because you're happen. You might level up in the middle of a battle, and you never check your skills. But like, I, I would yeah. new abilities that I never really experimented with. I just stuck with what I knew and worked. You know, exactly. Like I, I mean, there might be some like much better combination of skills that we just haven't even explored because we were just sticking with you know what worked. Like yeah. that's what I've been doing. I haven't been really experimenting enough either. Like you know, I don't even I know tried what to, it does. Yeah, I, I tried overpower and it stunk. Like it yeah, just it, it, it sounds lame, but it didn't but, work right away, so I quit on it. It's basically uh, what it come down to. And so I don't know, maybe that's one of those ones where you can combine it with something else. Like I find that all the uh is it the might skills that revenge is a part of? Or is I don't that, know the name of them. I forget, but I think it's like revenge and oh it's got the, the throwing like the, the scorpion spear that you can throw and pull the enemy oh, into you. Use that and, in act one. <laughs> yeah. It's got it's got what basically are like the sort of difficult powers. They're either not good or like they're sort of difficult to use effectively. Like revenge, yeah, you have to be paying attention. Yeah, you have to be paying attention to use revenge effectively. Well, I would, and, I would love. I've been we've been kind of dominating the conversation. As you, I'd, I'd love to hear like what you've been doing with the wizard and all. Well, in what regard? Just. In terms of like how you use the skills and like have you experimented? Have you found like a good build or how, how well, do you, what do you think of the skills and all? Like are they well? Honestly, I, the, the wizard is very versatile. Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot of things very different ways. So um, currently, I'm mostly playing from afar, which means I, I'm using the electrocute spell. So it's from afar. You know, I mean, I stay at a ranged distance. And I use the other, um, the death ray, I use it at any distance, so even when close up. I've got a spell which is called uh, Familiar, which is a uh, part of the armor spells, so something that is always on. I cast it every five minutes. So it's uh, a little pixie that fires along with me, so it's, it's more, you know, DPS. And uh, yeah, so like I said earlier, I just, honestly, the game is not very difficult, so I, I don't often need to use my skills, I mean, 
Mostly, I can just use Electrocute. It's, it's a spell which doesn't consume any arcane power, so I can use it you know, indefinitely. So I just call my two enemies, I zap them until they die, and then I move on. When there's too many enemies at, at, uh, at once, either I move in the midst of them and I blow them up with my uh, Ira of Damage spell, and then finish them with the Death Ray, or, which is called Disintegrate, I believe. Or I'm just going, if there are really too many of them, or if I feel like it, I just pull a Hydra, which uh, will blow them up along with me, and I just zap them with the ray. When I'm out of energy, I you know use the Electrocute spell, uh, and that's it. It's, it's pretty easy and straightforward. Yeah, that's the criticism I had about the game throughout, was, it was I never really encountered a big challenge. The only time I died consistently was the very first time I fought Belial uh, in Act 2's ending. I probably died twice in a row. Um, I think I was under-leveled. I think I was like seven levels under. I was playing with a friend at the time. I was just getting beat up. But uh, yeah, eventually it was no problem at all. Once I was appropriately leveled, it was a joke. Most like most of the game, but hopefully Nightmare will be more exciting. you got to beat yeah. the game in order for it to get hard. You know? Yeah, that's what's sad. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. uh, it'll be interesting because some of the zombies have like... The, the big fat ones, like, they've, they've actually taken, like, a little while to kill, like, where I've had to hit them, like, a few times, and I wasn't used to that. So yeah. that, that shows potential for uh, <laughs> for down the road. Actually, I, I think I died uh, three, three times so far. Once it was uh, against Belial because uh, I, I used a skill which wasn't appropriate, and I almost got him, but he, he slammed him. The thing is, my character has, like, I don't know, maybe 700 life. Mm-hmm. So I die very quickly if I'm not careful. Yeah. So, yeah. And the two other times I died, uh, it's because I was overconfident. Like the first time I, I went in the midst of some enemies, I blew them up, but there were still more coming. And, uh, I, <laughs> and you I get just, stuck. Yeah, I, I got stuck and I died. And the, the third time it was uh, in Act 3. And like I said, I just I, I couldn't see my character anymore. I didn't know where she was because everything was blowing up and I was shooting in every direction. And so I just got killed by, I don't know, I don't even know who killed me, but probably just some little shit who got close in. But in, yeah, in, terms, I of, in terms of challenge, like, can you remember Diablo 2? Like, I died. That was a common place for me to do a corpse run after you died. Like, that happened all the time. Yeah. Just random Well, now that, you, now that you don't even have to do that, like, there really is no punishment for death other than, like, oh, God, yeah. I got to run back to the spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. there, there's yeah. like, that was another reason why, I don't know, in one sense, because you can't, like, uh, spam potions you know, life is more valuable. You know, you need to be, you need to have some life and defense because you can't just be constantly popping potions. But at the yeah. same time, because there's no consequence to dying, you know, other than some inconvenience, I mean, eventually it just got to the point where, you know, being so weak, you know, for a frontline character, I just like, it was, you know, it was just boring having to run back all the time. It was more worth it just to be, you know, hard to kill and take a little longer to kill everyone else. Yeah, but I don't know. There really isn't that much of a penalty. And I wanted to ask you something because the most trouble I had with any of the fights was probably the first guy you fight in Act Four. And oh I don't really? Know I, oh man! Yeah, we, and I just don't know if I was not set up right, right for it because it took me a while to get by him, and like no one else seemed to have any problem with him. Like my dad said, "Yeah, I, I killed that guy, no problem." Like it was it's, like honestly, dude, it was it was laughable how quickly we, me and my friend, who's a witch doctor. 
we just like it was like I was watching the guy's life bar and it was like dead like it was just like boom no yeah I I would like I would immediately take him down halfway but then something would hit me like with incredible uh, damage and kill me like I had to stay away from him so I don't know what it was but yeah I mean I beat him but it was that was the hardest fight I had and I don't know why maybe I was just ill equipped for it and I also wanted to ask you on that note. Uh, how are you doing like your item setups, like your armor and everything? Do you when you do you just use the same stuff all the time? Like when you fight bosses, like do you switch to oh. more defense? After Belial, or just I no started, need. After Belial, I started using a shield. Um, after I after I died twice in a row, I went in with a shield, and so from then on, I always had an alternate like you know defensive setup. But That's I found the same thing I that I. I was finding I was using it less and less, and so I, by the time I got to like Act Three and Four, like later on, I wasn't even using it. I just had two really powerful weapons. So mm-hmm. it, well, that's interesting because like that's the same exact story for me. After Belial, I was you know I had the alternate defensive armor setup that I was using, and and I got away from it during Act Three. It took the end of Act Three and Act Four because of that boss that kept killing me. Yeah, I I went I think again. It's, like I think it's your full, vitality, man. Your yeah, vitality I went to probably. full board. Well, yeah, I switched to full on defense where I had like four thousand hit points, and I stuck yeah. with that because I was able to sort of balance it with other items that kept the, you know, because like the worst is like you get four thousand life, but you're only doing like seventy five damage per second or something, where oh, you know yeah. you're because I was in multiplayer watching some friends doing that, and they were like just chipping away at these weak enemies. And it was like taking forever, and I was like, "Oh my wow. god, get some damage, <laughs> for God's yeah. sakes!" And I don't know. I found the balance, but I stuck with like having a shield because I got one that like boosted my vitality and strength, and a pretty fast and good weapon that pumped it up. But yeah, I sort of ended up sticking with the more defensive oriented guy, but adding like enough offense on top. So it yeah. was like a tank that could that you know that where you wouldn't be standing there forever grinding it out, especially like using the powers. Right, right. I guess like I guess your guy was a good killer without like using you know any of the like actual like button powers. Like I mean, you were using a lot of uh, just frenzy and uh, cleave. I always had battle rage on, which is thirty percent damage. Yeah, all, you, and you also you had all the damage boosters going. Yeah, right, battle twenty five percent fury and berserker rage, which is plus twenty percent damage. I think twenty five percent. Yeah, those things you can just get incredibly high damage with. Yeah, my guy right so now. I, I, take, about, I take it you were just cutting through Act Four like butter, then, right? Oh, it was it was the quickest act for me. I mean, we sailed through it like in. It was the, it was also yeah, it was the shortest too. Yeah, well, it I feel like they kind of ran out of steam in like yeah. Acts uh, Three and Four. Like they, you know, I like I Act Three. I like actually Act Three is probably my favorite. I had a lot of fun with it. I, I enjoyed it, but it was like it didn't feel as like uh, complex. Like yeah. it, two was care, ridiculous, like, man. Two was yeah, back the, and forth the whole time. Yeah, the first two acts, like especially the Tristram act, I feel like they sort of put like all their like efforts into that one, like just you know, like sort of coming yeah. up with quests and having you go places and like yeah. you know having it be relevant to you know Diablo lore and everything. And then the second yeah. one was sort of like the Luke Galane remix. Go on, ask. I was going to say uh, I thought uh, Act One was the longest one. I mean, I'm just in Act Three, but yeah. I thought Act Two was already shorter. And less intricate than uh, Act One, so I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised Act Three and Four. You know, it's it's like it, a decline. You know, it Act One, Two, Three, Four, and each time it gets uh, smaller and shorter than the the previous time. And I think it's also probably because they, you know started over many times during the development of the game, and I think uh, more stuff remained from Act One than for the others. Yeah, and probably also like they've just 
they probably had like what was almost a finished game, and it's like they could either finish it or they could make it a lot more, you know, intricate. Those other acts, like sort of like Act One was, and you yeah. know, I'm fine with them just bringing it out because like I don't think those acts would have necessarily benefited from you know more story. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was I was, know, not, I was ready for it to be over by the time I got not to four. Interested, <laughs> so I was ready and to I be in nightmare a, mode. There's, I think there's an obvious uh, segue for Act 5, too, if they make sort of an expansion of any kind in the style of uh, Diablo 2. I don't know if that would even... If they even do things that way anymore. Like, well, yeah, they will. Okay. No doubt, no doubt about it. In my opinion, there's no doubt about yeah. it. The way, that, the, way, the, way, the way Blizzard's handled all of their major properties the past 10 years has been to do... Standalone expansions, or, or you know, another expansion. So the game. Oh, and so. speaking of uh, Diablo two, I was just to say it kind of reminded me how Hell and Diablo two was kind of like truncated. Yeah, you know, it was the That's same right. deal where it was just, you got there, you had the you know the, the Heaven's Fortress, you had the 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 wasteland out there, and then you go down to the River of Sticks, and that's it. But I mean, but again, this is more. This is more than this- that. But it's like hilariously dogmatic at this point. Like, oh well, Diablo Two's Act Four was short. We should make sure ours is short too. Like, why? What's, <laughs> for, what, for what reason? You know. You know, the first game Hell was just there was four levels of Hell, like every other like, yeah. level. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, it was you know Act Four though, without giving anything away. It was a good. Uh, I thought it was a neat twist. The the setting. I didn't like the oh, way they did oh, it. Oh, the setting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 And nothing wait, else. Let, let me guess. It's in heaven and not in hell. No, you're wrong. Oh, <laughs> couldn't be that. No way. <laughs> um, I, we'll be talking about Diablo. I'll be playing Diablo for at least another month until I get sick of it. So we'll we'll be talking about it again. But yeah, I'm going to need to take a couple bit. of days off. But uh, <laughs> just I'm to not. do schoolwork. <laughs> yeah, sure I know. Yeah, I'm going to fall behind. Yeah, the, the troubling part is like I work from home, so I was I was always able to carve out like oh, I'll jump in for ten minutes, two hours. Three yeah, hours. you know <laughs> that's not healthy. Well, no, that's healthy compared to you know ten o'clock at night till five in the morning, and then you've got work at six. <laughs> I, I, I only did that one night. One night I did that, and that was the only one. The rest of the time, I've been able to say, "I'm going to bed." Fuck this. So yeah, I, I haven't because it's like that's the time when I really had to, to play. Right. So. Ugh. And thanks again, guys, for another episode. We'll be back in two weeks. Um, the next, the new Berserk movie comes out in Blu-ray this week. So if all three of us are able to see it, we'll probably record something on that. I'm sure. So look forward to that this week. Hopefully, if not this weekend. Great. Thanks a lot. Can't wait, can't wait to see it. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> see you later, guys. See you. Bye.